Hello and welcome to Travel Stories with Mosh, the first travel podcast in the Middle East. I'm your host Moshmi, travel blogger and broadcast journalist, and in this podcast, I'll be talking to some incredible travel enthusiasts who take us on a journey to some of the most fascinating places by sharing their travel stories. From breathtaking landscapes and cities to diverse cultures and cuisines, our special guests share their most unforgettable travel experiences while also giving away some of their not so happy encounters, what's hot on their list, and lots, lots more. So join me as we embark on this journey together to explore, experience, and connect with the world around us. Hello everyone and thank you for tuning in to episode 3 of Travel Stories with Mosh. Hope you've been enjoying listening to our engaging conversations with fascinating travellers who've been taking us on some really exciting journeys around the globe. Today's intrepid traveller is a woman with an adventurous spirit and a very practical and experimental approach to travel. After living in Dubai for 15 years, building two digital banks, she is now the CEO of Saudi's first digital insurance company, Tree. This is Preeti Mundra, and over the last two years, she's been working in Kuwait and Riyadh while flying back to Dubai every weekend to be with her family. She's even mastered the art of sleeping in aircrafts, making her feel at home in airports around the world. Join us on a journey with this travel lover as she shares her tales of adventure and tricks for navigating the world. Welcome to Travel Stories, Preeti, and I'm so glad that you made time for our podcast during your weekend trip to Dubai. Thank you, Marsh. It's always a pleasure, you know, being able to share some of my stories. There's so many, but you'll have to just stop me in between somewhere. <laughs> no, I'm so looking forward to listening to all your travel tales, especially, you know, this back and forth, Dubai and Saudi. I'm sure it's not so easy, especially because your kids live here, right? Yes, the kids are here. For the last 18 months, I've been doing this frequently. You know, every weekend I'm on a flight to Dubai and then on Sunday morning I'm on a flight back to get back to work. It's a hassle, mm. but only if you make it out to be. Correct. Now I've gotten into a routine that uh, two breakfasts of the week are in the lounge. Mm. So that's become kind of part of my weekly routine. I just didn't know how to fall asleep mm. in an aircraft. But with this frequent travels and odd times, it's like, no, I'll, I'll have to change this. It's now, a breeze. Now it's a breeze. Yeah. So I, I turn on some meditation music or mm -hmm. I will just listen to some podcasts like these. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'm not sleeping, but I'm completely relaxing, listening to music or doing what I, you know, like to do, which is meditation. Yeah. It's really about creating a comfort zone and picking up habits that blend into this lifestyle. because. Sure. While travel every weekend is a hassle, but not being able to see my kids and my husband on the weekend is a bigger hassle. It's so interesting you saying that because, you know, there are a lot of people who do this, like, you know, back and forth, Saudi and Dubai so yeah. much. And then to create your own ecosystem within that, you yeah. know, and this is also your downtime. So it's kind of you're almost looking forward to it, like you're saying, because yeah. you get that much time to say, listen to meditation apps yeah. or, you know, whatever. So it's nice in a way that you've built that for yourself. It's definitely my me time. Yeah. Catch up on a lot of thinking for work as well. And definitely the, the downtime you need after a very long week at work. Yeah, so. sure. 
I quite look forward to those four or five hours yeah. that I'm disconnected mm-hmm. from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And I get to connect with myself. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that you're an adventurer, you're an explorer, and you trek various places. So where are you taking us today on a journey? How about to the base camp of the tallest peak? Wow, that sounds very exciting. Yes, Mount okay. Everest. Okay. Uh, so that's something that we did together as a family mm-hmm. just last month. It was my daughter's 13th birthday. And uh, we wanted to mark it with something special, something memorable for her to step into teenhood Mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of confidence in herself that if I can do this, I can pretty much take on the world. Absolutely. So uh, we decided to trek to Everest Base Camp, which is at a 5,364 meters height. Initially, we didn't plan to take my son, who is nine years old. We didn't plan to take him along. Mm -hmm. But then he was so excited and Mm -hmm. he was feeling so left out, saying, Mm -hmm. how can you guys not take me? Like, all right, if you are confident, then we'll take a chance. Let's go. So, yeah, we did a 12 days trek with enough rest days in between. And we started from a place called Lukla. From Kathmandu, you take this very small aircraft flying through the, you know, the valleys. And Those then... aircrafts are scary. It yeah. is, yes. Yeah. But I think we were less scared about the aircraft, but just, you know, the anticipation of what the next 10 days held for us yes. was even more. And we caught the first glimpse of Everest when we were still in the aircraft and, and trying to get to mm. Lukla. Describe to me about that feeling when you first saw the tallest peak, you know, and when you landed there, like, just talk us through that. So interestingly, Mosh, you know that Everest itself, it's not the hero of the story for most part of the journey. Okay. It doesn't stare at you from that height. Uh It's a very humbling experience. You know that Everest is the tallest peak in the world, Mm -hmm. period. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no debate or dispute Mm -hmm. about it. But... The whole region has more than 30 peaks that are 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 meters tall, right? And what you see for most part of your journey uh, trekking up to base camp are these these mountains and these peaks that stand right in front of Everest. And Everest is like this very confident, humble leader right at the back. Mm -hmm. And at times, our Sherpa had to pointed out to us saying, you see that tiny little peak sneaking out over there? That's Everest. And and you see these other smaller peaks, but Mm. they are right on the front Mm. and they dominate the scene for most parts of the trek. Okay, that's interesting. So it's quite a lesson in leadership, uh, Mm. you know, and I was thinking about this for myself as well, saying it's the tallest, but it doesn't have to scream the loudest. It's not the most visible, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's beautiful. And then on the last day, when we actually made it to the base camp, it was my daughter's birthday on that day. And we had planned a little celebration and a cake and all for her. That is so special. Yeah. It's very special. And and to be honest, it was the Sherpas who really helped us, you know, put all of these together, get the decorations and the cake Along. They carried it all the way up to the base camp to surprise her. And that day, it almost felt like Everest was celebrating with us because there was this beautiful rainbow just over the Everest wow. on that morning. And when we saw it, we were like, okay, this is a very special package. It's a rare sight yeah. to see this yeah. beautiful the nature uh, smiling back at her and wishing her happy birthday. Yeah, and, and complimenting her for her courage because it was treacherous on many parts. It was a very difficult trek, especially after we crossed 5,000 meters. 
it gets tiring, altitude sickness hits in, mm -hmm. and it actually sometimes makes you question your life's choices, saying, why did I sign up for this? Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. am I doing this? Yeah. But then it all makes sense when you're finally there and, you know, you take this moment to look around you and you see all this, the whole Himalayan range is looking back at you and beautiful colors of blue, all shades of blue you can see in the sky. And then you see, like, you're not the only one who has an adventurous spirit, right? Mm -hmm. There are hundreds of people who trek to different peaks in the Himalayas, right? And, and when you reach base camp, you realize, well, this is the end of my journey. Mm -hmm. But this is where the journey of many hundreds will begin to actually go to summit. Yeah. And they are setting up their camp there to prepare for the next 30 to 60 days that they will summit. Wow. And that's you know, something. It's something. It's a sense of pride you mm -hmm. have in those adventurers. Mm -hmm. These journeys are really not a journey for anybody else. Mm -hmm. You will not go through those trials of 10 days for anybody else. Of course. It's a very personal, very intimate journey with yourself. And did you go through training before you went on this? No hardcore training. We've picked up fitness as, as a part of mm -hmm. our lifestyle. So we do just the regular cardios and strengths. Okay. But no special training was needed. But of course, from the base camp to the summit, you need a, a full-on training after that. Okay. From what I hear, you are quite the explorer and you love all this. But going back in life, which is the first place that really made you kind of realize that you love travel, was it a mountain? Was it a trek that you did? It was the mountains, yes. It was yeah. when I uh, went to Kedarnath mm -hmm. in, in India, Badrinath, in India with my family. And I remember being constantly chided by my father because I wanted to be ahead of the pack. Mm -hmm. And I was a young 16-year-old at that time, full of energy. And I wanted to be ahead of the pack the whole time. And I wanted to be the first one to go up and catch the best views and then shout back to the rest of the group, like, come fast, guys. This so is, you were the little explorer. <laughs> yeah, I think that that one particular journey revealed this side to myself. Like mm -hmm. I found this about myself that I love the mountains and I love trekking. Yeah. And after that, I traveled a lot within India. Mm -hmm. But the real travel spirit came to life when I actually came to Dubai and we started traveling to a lot of these quaint offbeat destinations that are quite easily approachable from Dubai. Mm -hmm. So now going to all these various destinations, you've been traveling around so much, which is your favorite destination so far? But I have two, not sure, just one, sure. I have two. I absolutely loved Norway. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, the creator took all its the time, time, all the time to really make that one country so beautiful, so picture perfect. So Norway, yes, in terms of natural beauty and mm. just how everything is so pristine. That was beautiful. But the other country that I like, which most people will be very surprised to know, is Rwanda. Mm. So we traveled there a couple of years back. Actually, it's a very well-kept secret of Africa. Wow. It's one of the most beautiful, green, like lush green country, super clean it is one of the cleanest countries where the citizens, the people of Rwanda, make sure that their country is clean. That is so nice it's, to know. It's a part of their community activity every month. 
Wow. And they come out, everyone, irrespective of who they are, mm -hmm. comes out to the streets or their villages and they clean their country every month without fail. What do you mean they clean their country? They clean their streets. Like their, physically? They physically. And, and the first day we landed in Rwanda and we were driving through to one of the national parks, we saw like, you know, there were lots of people, you know, on the sideways who were carrying all these brooms and rakes. And, and so it's beans. part of their culture. It's part of their culture. Wow. It's something that's driven by the president of the country. Mm -hmm. But now it's become a part of how they live, live and how they... And that's why, you know, when we were driving through, I was marveling at how the streets were so clean, mm -hmm. even in the rural areas. You didn't see trash piles. We actually didn't even see dustbins. Wow. So I'm like, where's all the trash? It was such a pleasant surprise. Great surprise. So natural beauty, we knew it yeah. was very green. Of course. And we were there to see the gorillas. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was all part of it. But what surprised me the most was how clean, how safe, and just how warm the country was. Warm in terms of the people. Just very kind, very humble, friendly people. And we fell in love with Rwanda in that trip. Absolutely. That's such a brilliant piece of information. And I have never heard, you know, people talk about Rwanda in, in that way. And you're right, like people talk about the gorillas and the wildlife and all of that, but not this side of Rwanda. And that's really nice to know. And um, I'm glad this came out through, you know, our travel <laughs> stories. Now, Absolutely. you know, because you've been around there, you know, we go through so many experiences when we travel. So what is that one place that kind of made you feel like, oh, I don't want to come back here or, you know, maybe an experience or some little travel tale that you have, which was not that pleasant? I just hope I, I'm not offending anybody by no, saying go this, ahead. but I was quite underwhelmed by Paris. Mm. I had grown up watching all the movies and reading all the books and stories yeah. and tales about, you know, the how, city how of love, the city yeah. of love and that. But truly, when I landed in Paris uh, just uh, a year before COVID struck us, I was like, this isn't what I had in mind. Mm. I just didn't find it attractive enough. I found it crowded and dirty and not yeah. safe. Yeah. We are spoiled here, yeah. you know. Here, I'm very confident driving whenever, wherever I want. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I did not get that feeling in Paris, so. I think for us Dubaiites, if I may <laughs> say so, it just, uh, what the city offers and the country offers, we are so fortunate and so blessed and spoiled in many ways, you know, we just want to always come back. I mean, you're a traveler. I'm a traveler. We travel around the world. But this but is home. This is home. And it's always like, I want to go like every few months. Okay, now enough. I don't like it here. I want to go. The moment I go spend some time somewhere else, it's like, I want to go back. And, and you found appreciation for the yes, city of Dubai. And, and that's right? so nice. And then you realize more and more over the years that, you know, this is where home is, yes. you know. So that's another side of us living here, I guess. <laughs> but now you've given us all these really amazing, fascinating places. But I want to know about that one hidden gem that you have. So there are two places in Central Africa that are very beautiful for two different reasons. So Uzbekistan. Okay. History lovers, 
I do recommend should go to Uzbekistan. They have preserved their monuments so well. Mm-hmm. You know, the mausoleums, the libraries, the mosques, wow. beautiful work, very well preserved. And again, a country that's very clean, nice. very clean. I somehow just love countries that take care of their environment. Of course, of course. And, you know, they keep things clean and organized and very tolerant. We went there around Christmas time a couple of years back. And the whole country was so well lit up and beautifully decorated, very inclusive. So Uzbekistan, yes, for history lovers. And uh, the other place I also discovered, I didn't go with a lot of expectation, but mm-hmm. I really loved it, was Kazakhstan. We had a wonderful tour guide, our driver, come guide, come cook, come, you know, entertainer in all sense. He showed us the parts of Kazakhstan that made us fall in love with the country. It's huge. It's a very big country. Mm-hmm. And we drove through quite some parts of it, trekking up the mountains, going by the lakesides, eating fresh food just prepared by a riverside in the middle of this nature Kazakhstan is beautiful. And that's interesting because both these places, you know, they are kind of off the beaten track and people yeah. don't really talk about it. And you're like, I'm not sure if I want to go there, but that's very interesting to know and very encouraging to know that, you know, Absolutely. these are very, very interesting places to go to. <laughs> Now, because you've kind of, you know, been swirling around the world, I want to know about three places that you would want to have breakfast, lunch and dinner in a day. Mm. Breakfast would be home, Jebel Joyce. Okay. In UAE. Okay. I love watching the sunrise uh-huh. there and then come down a little bit and have this little breakfast with one of the food trucks that's parked. Oh, uh, down, there, coming down. down. Oh, I thought you were going to have it at the restaurant there, not no, that the, one. Not not the restaurant. Okay. Uh, there's there's one that you just come down a okay. little bit from Jebel Joyce. And, okay. Uh, So you can have so a very local experience. Yes, it's, That's it's a very nice. local experience. Yeah. So breakfast would be there. So is there any particular kind of a local joint or there are many over there that you pick? There, there are a few food trucks that are parked there. Okay. And they are open. I think they are open overnight, if I'm okay. not mistaken. Because okay. we were there at... Five in the morning and they were serving hot tea, coffee wow, and noodles, fantastic. which was quite welcome at that time of the morning. But I don't recollect a particular name. I do remember it was a, a lovely Sri Lankan couple that was running this particular food nice. truck that we were having our breakfast at. So, yeah, that's where I would love to have my breakfast. Mm-hmm. Lunch would be Birawanda. I quite liked the food there. They had some very interesting banana fritters. Oh. Which I still, uh, you know, my mouth waters. Even okay, now. Rwanda is getting more and more and more Attention interesting now. Even. Yeah, <laughs> especially if you're a foodie now. Like, okay, it has that too. Mm-hmm. And dinner. Dinner would probably be in London. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lots dinner, of nice places there. Lots of nice places. I quite like the Indian fusion food mm-hmm. that that's available in London. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's Oh, that's lovely. Okay, now, of course, both of us talked about how Dubai is home for us. I mean, we always love coming back here and you've been here for so long. So if you had to have breakfast, lunch and dinner in three of your favorite places here in Dubai, mm. where would that be? 
breakfast would be raju omelette. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love sushi. Mm-hmm. I could have sushi probably for all three meals if I could. Okay, that's me could. also. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So lunch would be in either sushi library or uh, mushi. Mm-hmm. Okay. I quite enjoy the the range of vegetarian sushis that they offer. Okay. Okay. That's a tip for vegetarian sushi oh, lovers. Yes, absolutely. Vegetarian sushi lovers, you don't need to feel compromised at all. Please, mm-hmm. uh, you know, feel free to go to Moshi. There's a big, big range available there. Fabulous. And, uh, dinner for me would be I like good Indian food. Okay. So probably mint leaf. Okay, mint leaf of London. Yeah. Okay. So we got three fabulous places to dine here in Dubai. Now we're going to still stay here in Dubai in the UAE. And I just want to know which is that one experience that you highly recommend for anybody who lives here to all our listeners or people who want to come here because everybody talks about malls, etc. But Tell us about that one experience that you highly recommend for people to experience when they're here. There's a lot that Dubai slash UAE offers mm-hmm. beyond all the blink yes, and the malls. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So there are a couple of places. Mm. Al Qudra Lakes. I love going to Al Qudra Lakes mm-hmm. on a full moon night. It's oh, yes. magical. But even more beautiful if you can catch an early morning trip there and oh. watch the sunrise. Okay. And have breakfast by the lake where, uh, you know, you have these little ducks and swans around. The other place, which is not that easy to get to, but if you do manage to go there, it's amazing, is Banyas Island. Mm. Um you have and, to plan that. Yes, you and, have to and plan. it's uh, it's a long drive. It's a long yeah. drive. Yes, yeah. but Banyas Island was a very beautiful experience for me as well. Okay, Banyas Island, I highly recommend as well too. It is so beautiful. You really feel like you're in another country altogether. Absolutely. You don't feel like you're here, and also because I think the drive is long, and then you have to take a boat, so it's an experience in itself. Yeah, you do feel like you've gotten away from yeah, the city. Yeah, because uh, you know, being here, we don't do so many road trips. I love road trips. So I think Banyas Island gives you that where you can yeah. actually experience like, yes, I'm traveling, I'm going in different modes of transportation. And, you know, finally you reach this island, which is so beautiful. Yes. It's it's really Both nice. The flora and the fauna. Like, yeah. Too. Yeah. It's, and it has so much to offer. And then the food is incredible yeah, as well. Yeah. True. We've been to so many places. I'm still <laughs> so mesmerized. But I want to know what is it that you're looking forward to in your travels? More explorations, more adventure, more mountain climbing. Tell us. To be honest, Mosh, I travel without expectations. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it more interesting. When yes. you go with a certain level of hype about a certain place, you can feel easily uh, let down or underwhelmed. A lot of the times, actually, I don't even know what we are going to be doing in a certain country. You like surprises? I love surprises, right? I don't read up. I don't know our day-by-day itinerary or plan. That's something that my husband does. I'm just the one who needs to know what's the weather going to be like? What do I need to pack in the bags? Mm-hmm. Just let me know about that and we are good. So I go with the flow. Mm. I allow a country or any place to to grow upon me. Mm. And I don't judge. I just let let that country, that travel, that adventure happen. Mm. Yeah, so I I like surprises. I like being uh, So what are the surprises you're looking forward to going forward? I mean, I'm sure you've thought of something. Hmm. Yeah, what's next on your bucket list? (laughs) 
Machu Picchu. Oh. Have to do it. It's either going to be Annapurna or Machu Picchu next year to okay. mark my son's 10th birthday. That's nice. That's there. I am super, super keen to go to Japan and mm-hmm. watch the cherry blossoms. That's, That's been on my list. A full road trip in New Zealand. Another fabulous experience. Yeah. But I think the one thing that as a family we are really looking forward to is a trip to Antarctica. Mm. Um, to see I, all I, the whales. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So Antarctica, probably not next year, but definitely in the next three to five years. That's on yeah. my Because that's uh, a long list. trip. You really need to plan that. Oh, plan my God. All of that sounds so exciting. There are so many places now. I'm like, <laughs> every time you yeah. come back, yeah. you're like, okay, that's one more destination. But there's just so many places yeah, to yeah. travel to. But it's so nice, isn't it? That, you know, there's so much to look forward to. And that's what I love about traveling because there's so much more out there to explore, you know. This was so nice, Preeti. Thank you so much for joining us. It's travel therapy. It's food for the soul. It is. It is. Absolutely. absolutely. And with that, we come to the end of this episode of Travel Stories. Thank you so much, Preeti, for joining us today and sharing all your exciting and adventurous travel tales. I can't wait to hear about all your future travels, your next chapters, all the adventures, (laughs) your trek to Machu Picchu and all the other explorations. I wish you all the best and I hope you you keep traveling. Thank you. Thank you. Been lovely talking to you. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. I hope our conversations have fueled your wanderlust and inspired you to explore the world in new and exciting ways. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button to keep up with our latest episodes. And if you want to be the first to know who's joining me next week, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Mosh Travels. I would love to know what you think, what kind of travel stories and guests you would like me to cover. You can find all the episodes and destinations mentioned by all the guests on my website, moshtravels.com. Thanks for listening and until next time, safe travels and keep adventuring.